0: Take your Bibles, if you would. Let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 4 this morning. Exodus chapter 4. It's been a great couple of uh, days. And appreciate the uh, spirit of the conference and everybody being here. And I hope it's been kind of a refresher for uh, you and your spouse. Exodus chapter 4. And notice, if you would, we'll pick up where we were last night. Um, We notice in verse 20, Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass. He returned to the land of Egypt. Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And you'll notice down in verse 24, and it came to pass, by the way in the end, that the Lord met him. Notice that, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me, so he, that's speaking of God, let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Father, I pray that you might bless, Lord, just this time that we have together, I pray, Lord, that... You would open up our hearts and our minds. I pray that this would be insightful to us and would help us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I mentioned this last night, you know, there is a teaching in the Bible about being equally yoked. You'll notice in this passage the difficulty of being unequally yoked. And uh, we're talking about two different backgrounds, two different religions, two different cultures, and for a time it seemed to function, or as I've often heard people say, well, we can make it happen. Uh, You know, we love each other so much, but the truth is, is there was a great conflict here, and uh, Zipporah did not understand the religion of Moses, and uh, did not understand the culture that he was in, and uh, this idea of a covenant and circumcision um her response to all of that is, you're a bloody husband. You're 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 just I, I don't understand. And of course, these were words that were hurtful, but I want us to understand something as men because this is more of, of something that I want you to catch. God called Moses to be the leader of the Egyptians. And not only to be the leader of the Egyptians, to go there and to tell them, uh, you, you know, do you understand that when he went and stood before Pharaoh, it was not just a message to set Israel free, it was also a message to set uh, Egypt free. Egypt had either a response to either uh, respond to the word of God or to reject the word of God. And each time that uh, Pharaoh heard the word, he would harden his heart. It would not let the people go. But, but as we look at Moses as this great leader who's going to take the children of Israel out, he, his first realm of leadership was in his home. God wanted him to clean up his home before he could clean up the nation of Israel, before he could lead them out. And as we see this, there's an understanding that Moses needed to to have in his mind a concept that he needed to gain. And we find here that in this chapter, the Lord is going to reveal something. There's a revelation from the Lord. Well, what's the revelation? God is about to reveal the deception in Moses' heart. Moses had deceived himself. How many has ever read the passage in James where it talks about looking into the mirror of God's Word, deceiving your own selves? You know, it's one thing to be deceived by someone else. And by the way, I've been deceived. I've, I remember one time <clears throat> I was in a Lowe's, and long story short, guy pulled in and uh, opened up his... Uh, um, Uh, the back of his SUV, and he's got all these boxes, and he's like, man, he said, "Uh, you know, my boss bought all these speakers, and I've got the paperwork on them, and he said, "Uh, you know, I could sell you these speakers, and they're normally this price, and he says, but, you know, the boss said, just get rid of them, so I'm just, I mean, I'll just sell them to you for, you know, for just like 150 bucks, and uh, I was thinking, wow, man, you know, and long story short, I bought a scam. (laughs) I got took. I was taken. I mean, I bought something and that guy smiled as he drove away and said, I got him, you know. And, And the truth is, it's one thing to be deceived by someone else. It's another thing when you deceive yourself. Here was the deception. Moses believed that he could continue forward with sin in his life. He believed that he could continue to serve God with his sons not being prepared. He thought that he could go forward and appear spiritual on the outside, but literally what it was is it was rebellion on the inside. Let me say that one more time. He would go forward appearing spiritual on the outside when he was actually rebellious on the inside. You know, a lot of times we live that way, don't we? We feel, you know, it, 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 God, God doesn't mind. God, God uh, understands. You know, everybody's uh, got some struggles and really it's rebellion against God. And the Lord's revelation was this, Moses, you're not going to go forward you're not going to go forward. You're not going to do this. Numbers 32 and verse 23 says, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord. And listen to this verse. You know the phrase, Be sure your sin will... The next three words, what are they? Find you out. Find you, out. you need to be sure about that. And, and Moses thought, you know, this is in my past. This is in my person. It's, it's, it's kind of a... You know, and, and I'll just be honest. Here's something about Circumcision circumcision really was not a public way of of noticing. You just didn't say, you know, uh, men were dressed, and we understand that circumcision dealt with the very private area of your body. And the truth is, is it was really just you and the Lord that knew if that was the case. Moses could have carried his kids around, and no one would have said, you boys aren't circumcised, how would they know? They were clothed. But God knew, and God knew what was the rebellion in his heart. And so Proverbs 28:13 he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. And so here is Moses. Moses has allowed rebellion to be in his house. He's allowed this spiritual appearance on the outside but rebellion on the inside and the delusion of Moses. Not only did he deceive himself but the delusion of Moses was that he can continue to go forward and serve God in this manner. I was talking with a pastor last week and he had been on staff at a church and he was telling me about the pastor and the pastor's sin and it was a rather large church and he was telling me how that the pastor was an alcoholic and he said he would take his son to ball games and pay and buy him a ticket and put him in a stand and then head out to a bar and uh, and then after he started drinking and going to bars, he, he started hooking up with women. And he said the whole time he's passed, he'd come to church and he would preach a message and walk around and teach Sunday school. And, and, uh, and he said his family didn't know it, and his son didn't know it, and his wife didn't know it. Can I tell you something? God knew it all along. And sometimes we think, well, I, I can continue to go forward with this, with this weight in my life and this, this anchor in my heart, but we cannot. It's a delusion uh, of that thing in our life. And God, in his mercy, listen to me, God was not being unkind with Moses. We could look at this passage, and we might look at this and say, God, you are harsh. You are harsh. I mean, Moses on his deathbed, but I'm going to tell you something. God was not harsh. God understood the power of God that needed to rest upon Moses' life. God understood. Listen, I'm not letting you go forward. I, I, I was uh, dealing with my daughter, and she's eight years old. And as I was disciplining her and giving her a and I looked at her and I said, you need to understand something. I love you way too much to allow you to live with this attitude in your life. I'm not going to let you continue living with this attitude in your life. I love you too much. Hey, if I, as an earthly father, love my child too much to let them live with that attitude, how much more does God love us? And say, Moses, you're not going forward. You're going to deal with this right now. Your your marriage is going to struggle until you deal with this right now. And that's what God was doing in the life of Moses. Notice here the the destruction. This was the destruction of Moses. The judgment of God reveals this. God was greatly offended. You know, sometimes you and I allow sins in our life, and we can live with certain sins because it's not an offense to us. But the reason that the, the judgment and the discipline and the chastening of God was so hard was because God was offended you know, we need to get back to being offended. Have you ever had this conversation with your wife and you look at her and you're like, what's the big deal? And she's walking around going, I can't believe you say that. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? And you realize in this conversation that what I've done to me was not that big an offense, but to her, it was a massive offense. How many's ever had that conversation? And all of a sudden, she's walking around and she's, she's sighing and uh, she, she's torn up. Can I tell you something? There are times in our lives, men, where you and I learn to live with things in our life and we do not realize that it may be small to us, but it is a major offense to God. And God had to reveal that, that this was a covenant, the sign of God and His people, a symbol of His relationship. If I could say it this way, it would almost be like you taking your wedding ring and chucking it. Your wife saying, what are you doing? Listen, the circumcision, the males were to be circumcised, and this was a powerful sign of a covenant, an identification that these people belong to me. As we look at Moses and as we kind of see the revelation of what God is showing him. Moses, you're deceiving yourself. You, you, you've lied only to yourself. You're delusional if you think you can go forward with this. And, and, but I want you to notice here Moses' role. Because in this role, I want you to catch and find what we have. Now, it, what, what do we have recorded in this passage? Somebody tell me what do we have recorded in this passage? We have them in the Best Western, if you allow me to call it that. And what do we have going on in there? Talk with me. Uh, What do we have? Myrtle spat. Myrtle spat. Okay. Huh? Deathbed. Deathbed. What else? Lord shows up. Lord shows up. Flying foreskin. Flying foreskin. (laughs) What else do we have? What's recorded? Zipporah's actions. Moses' silence. Attitudes. You say, "Well, Moses didn't say anything." Or what'd you say? Attitudes. Attitudes. You know, you, 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 I want you to. I want you to catch this. We might look at this, and it's. It goes Zipporah, 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 and you say, "What did? What did Moses say?" Now Moses, he didn't say anything. Can you say that silence? Speaks pretty loudly sometimes. You say, well, Brother Nance, you you don't understand. I think Zipporah was a pretty strong woman. Woman, she was a pretty strong woman. Moses was probably attracted to her because of her strength. He was attracted to her because of the personality. Probably saw her leading those sheep and taking charge. And he said, wow, I like that woman. And with that strong spirit leading the sheep, going to the well. Remember how they first met? Remember how they first met? Yeah, Moses goes over there and there's an argument with the shepherds. And Moses, the Egyptian, jumps in there and defends and rolls the stone. Yeah, you remember all of that? And and he was probably like, wow, this girl, man, she's a take-charge girl. Yeah, and she is a take-charge girl. Probably when she was hurt and offended, she probably pounded on him with her words. And all of a sudden, I want you to catch this. Moses, who was a great leader. I don't want us to look at this one chapter and say Moses was a horrible leader. Do you understand that there have been many books written about the man Moses? His... his, picture if I can say that or the carving of Moses is 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 throughout DC even though we wouldn't recognize God if you you understand that that our forefathers recognized the leadership and the qualities of Moses to, to do what he did to lead these people through the wilderness his leadership skills were phenomenal but when it came to Zipporah he was passive what do we mean passive? He was willing to ride in the back seat. He was willing to give up his seat as the pilot, point man. He was willing to step back. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not, I'm not going to argue. You're a better arguer than I am. By the way, anybody remember one of the struggles that he had? Do you think Zipporah? Do you think Zipporah took took that? I bet Zipporah ran with that. I bet Zipporah took his weakness and exploited it. How many would agree with me? You 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 st- 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 stuttering man! Tired of it? Man up! I'm sure she beat him up all the time. I'm sure she wailed on him. But that was no right, listen to me, gentlemen, that was no right for him to give up his God-given position as the leader of this home. Because it was not Zipporah who made him the leader of this home. Who made him the leader of this home? God. God. And the moment that he got into the back seat and said, I'm not going to fight, I'm not going to argue, I'm tired, you're a better arguer than I, you're louder than I am, you're sharper than I am, I'm what are you gonna do? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. The moment he did that, Satan got the victory. And there's a lot of husbands, and that's exactly what they've done in their marriage. Well, Pastor, you don't you don't understand my wife. Can I tell you something? I've sat in counseling rooms enough to know that a lot of women are like a lot of women. We think, well, if I had a if I if I was married to her, if you were married to her, she'd treat you the same one treat you. Women are women. And I'm going to tell you something, that that rolling up the white flag and getting in the back seat and resigning your God-given responsibilities is not the direction that God wants you to take in your home. You'll find in this passage that Moses had given up, I believe in many ways on God using him to deliver Israel. I think that he was content to be a shepherd on the backside of the wilderness. I think that he was, uh, there in that burning bush and this revival that took place and, and, and all of this had taken place. And let me just, let me just say this. That as Moses, you say, Brother Lance, what makes you think that Moses had kind of given up on God using him? And this is a great argument. It could go back and forth, and I, I'm not going to, I'm going to state this as my opinion because um, it's just my opinion. You know, we might get in an argument and I might change my opinion, but, but here's one of the things that, that I think we could all agree on. Moses did not prepare his family to go forward. His family was not prepared to go forward spiritually. How do you know? His wife wasn't ready for this journey. His wife wasn't spiritually prepared. His boys were not circumcised. He had not prepared his home for God to use him. Listen to me, dads. As point man, as leader of your home, listen to me. It is more than just you taking your family to church you need to prepare your family so God can use you in a great way. Have you ever thought about that as a leadership role? That you should prepare your wife. Hey, honey, let's 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 get our let's not watch that. Why? Well, I think God wants to use us in a great way. Let's not let this into our home. Why? Because I, I want our home to, to be a home where God can use us in a great way. I'll never forget, I'll never forget this. I remember one time when I was pastoring in West Virginia that I had a guy come to my church. He was a missionary, and um, um, I, I met him, and uh, we didn't take him on support, and, uh, but I, I just really just thought he was a great guy. And then about six months later, I had a guy, another guy come into our church, and um, his name was Charles, and I asked him his last name, and he told me, and so we were at lunch, and I said, I said, you know, it's kind of strange. I said, about six months, ten months back, I said, we had another guy with the same name. He goes, oh, yeah, a missionary to such and such. I said, yeah. He says, that's my brother. I said, you're kidding me. I said, both of y'all are uh, 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 brothers. He goes, yeah. He says, says, uh, uh, both of us are going to the mission field. He says, I've got a a third brother that's a pastor. And he says, our sister is uh, married to a preacher. I said, that's incredible. All four guys, uh, all four of your families in, in full-time ministry? He goes, yeah. I said, well, here's what I said. I said, where did your dad, where did your dad pastor? I'm just assuming. Three guys, two going to mission field, one pastoring. The daughter's a pastor's wife. I just said, where, where's your dad pastor? He goes, oh, my dad's not a pastor. Your dad's not a Pastor. He goes, no. I said, well, I said, is he on the mission field? He goes, no, my dad's, my dad's not on the mission field. I said, well, what does your dad do? He said, well, my dad's a uh, Mate Tag washer repairman. Your dad's a Maytag washer repairman? Yes, sir. And all of y'all are in ministry? Is everybody getting the wheels turning here? He's like, well, well, yeah, my dad just loved God. He just just wanted us to serve God, and he always served in the church, and our, our family was always in church. And he just really made our home a godly home. And I walked out of there so convicted because in my mind I was thinking, well, only a pastor's home would prepare his kids to serve God like that. A Maytag washer repairman would have such a leadership in his home and prepare his kids to serve God. But isn't that the role of every godly man? Isn't that our role? Isn't that our leadership? And I look at Moses and Moses, you've dropped the ball. What are you talking about? You didn't prepare your family to serve God. You didn't prepare your wife for this journey. And and, and I just want to ask you listen to me. Listen to me. Being a godly leader is more than just taking her to church, there's got to be some preparation, there's got to be some work in the private areas of your children's lives. Circumcision really deals with that, doesn't it? There's got to be some preparation in the private areas of your children's lives so that they honor God in every asset so that they are prepared to follow God. Moses was a passive father and he failed to prepare his sons and his wife to follow the Lord. Everybody getting it? Notice this. He had failed to prepare them. He had limited, let me me just give you this statement. Um, His wife and children were not ready for this journey. Um, He had limited his family in what they could do for God. I will tell you, it would burden my heart, it would break my heart if I was the cause, if I was the hindrance, if I was the holdback in my wife and my children's lives in serving God. I do not want to be that. I do not want to limit my family. I do not want to be the anchor that, that slows them down as they try to run for God. He had failed to lead his home. Have you, do you remember the story of Adam and Eve? Question. Did you know, I'll ask a question and then I'll answer it. Did God ever, did God ever command Eve about the trees personally? No. Do you know who the command was given to? Adam. It was Adam's job to teach, to train Eve the importance of those trees. It was Adam's job to prepare her to live in the garden. Question. Did God talk to Noah's wife about the designs and plans of building the ark? No. Once again, it was Noah's job to inform, to train the boys and their wives and his wife. Is everybody getting the picture here? Listen, 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 listen. God's given you a responsibility, and when you get frustrated and 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 uh, 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 just fed up, and you're like, "I'm done. I'm not arguing anymore. i i I'll, I'll, I, I want I, the, I, 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 the only way to survive is, yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want. Here's a charge card. Go make yourself happy." Tell you something. You're being a, I'm just gonna love on you, you're being a baby, you're raising a white flag, and you're not doing the job that God called you to do. Is everybody with me on it? Don't don't do that. Don't do that. It is not your job to give up the ship. It's not your job to raise the white flag. Don't be the passive father. Don't be the passive husband. We understand that there are different types of leaders. We understand that there are those leaders that are dictators. And by the way, let's all agree with this. How many would agree with me that Zipporah's leadership skill and style was not the right one either? You say, well, okay, I, I, I know how to do it. <clears throat> you got a strong woman like the Zipporah? Then here's what you got to do. You got to be louder. You got to be sharper. You got to be more aggressive than her because, you know, you fight fire with Fire. Let me tell you, Zipporah's leadership skill was not right, and trying to match it was was the wrong way to eat, was the wrong way as well. You know, I'm just telling you, and I've seen that. You know, well, you know she's sharp. Yeah, you know, ought know to see her, man. She can throw things and. She throws saying, she throws words, I mean, she, she's loud, she's, she's dominant, she, I mean, she comes in a room, and she, she doesn't get her way, Woo-hoo, watch out, and so I know how to handle my wife, oh yeah, I, I just go in there toe to toe, and, and she, she dishes it out, I dish it right back, she throws it at me, I throw it right back, so now we got two supporters in the house, congratulations on your leadership skill. How I many understand that's not going to work either? By the way, I'm going to tell you there, there's, 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 uh, there's, there are homes that are led by masculine Zipporahs, men that just come in and they're bullies. Zipporah was a bully, she was a manipulator. So the dictator is not the right way, nor is swinging the pendulum the other way, which was Moses, which was. too much. Moses, how are you going to handle this? I'm not. Well, you're handling it by not handling it. Everybody getting the picture here? You're, you're being silent. I, I am, I know. But I don't, I don't know how to deal with it. You got a question?
1: What where, how do you draw the line? And I'll give you an example. I mean I'm confident over all these guys who really know me uh, from church. Um I'm kind of that way. You know, me and my wife we had that struggle where, you know, she sometimes is very outgoing and what happens is I have to I feel that I have to either match what she's doing or go overboard. And then when I do go overboard, she's like, Well you then it's what you said before, she gets offended and and then I was the, the mean bad husband that took a, li- a little too far. But if I, I feel that if I don't do that, then I'm not being strong enough to confront what's happened. And it's either I go overboard or I just step back and let it go. So how do you find that, that balance where you're like, all right, this is the right way and, and it's gonna work? I want to yeah, piggyback on that. What's the difference between the leadership style and the tactic. Because in my mind, right, those things, in my mind, it seems like there's a place for that at a time, not continually, not not all the time, right? And I think that's what <laughs> you're saying as well, right? Right. Right. right? Is there's a difference between a tactic and a leadership style, and where's that, where's that line, right? Obviously going too far either direction and staying there is wrong, but there's, you, you gotta snap, you gotta, you gotta break the, the paradigm that you're in, and how do you do that, right? complete counter-opposite normally, you know, a lot of times works, um, or has worked at times. Not always, but it's a tactic, not a, a leadership style. Right. Your
2: message is more than on point with most of the men, I think, in this room. Now it's how do we correct correct action.
0: Well, my first suggestion is this. Has anybody ever heard of a shock collar? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: That's a <laughs> dangerous
0: question. <laughs> nah, I'm joking. Because this is being recorded, we would never use that.
1: <laughs>
0: no, let me let me say this. Let me say this. A woman did not marry you because she was attracted to your passive leadership. Marry women marry men because they are attracted to their masculinity. Isn't that true? True. They are. They really are. Just be honest with you, I would never marry a woman with a beard. (laughs) (laughs) We don't marry them because of their masculinity. We marry them because of their, their feminine qualities. But they marry us because of our masculine. They're drawn to that. But i, I, I want to help you with this, because I think a lot of times and, and let me let me preference this let's, let's first of all not think of marriage as a sprint, but as a marathon. Let's also say this: that has anybody ever been on a boat? you know I've, I've not been on a boat too much, but I have learned this about a boat, that when you're bringing a boat into an area that has some either narrow boundaries or if you're placing a boat in a certain way, uh, docking the boat, um, there has to be a certain skill set and you have to not look at the short term but the long term. So it's not like this. It's not like I bring this boat in and I'm fly and then all of a sudden, you know, hit the brakes and slide it in. Because if I do that, man, I'm just going to crush some things. As a matter of fact, what I do is I see, okay, there it is way down the way there. And that's where I've got to put the boat. And so I already begin to prepare certain speeds and certain dynamics and certain things so that I can handle the boat and the boat is not handling me. Does everybody follow what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. So
2: to me, the, the key is in the Word of God, and the key is to walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The key is to die to self, and the key is in honor, preferring one another. And when you do that, you won't have that struggle. When you just, you know, and again, it doesn't mean you can't lead. It doesn't mean you have to be passive. But I really believe, as you study the Word of God, you find that by nature, the way God has created a woman, that they want to be led. The problem is, is that as He has said repeatedly, we are not leading. And women don't like confusion. They want order. Now again, they may not always agree with the order we provide, and that's where we need to be sensitive So the Holy Spirit's leading God's leading in our life. But again, I think as we walk in the Spirit, God will show us. And and again, if I'm in honor, I'm preferring her ahead of myself. I'm putting her ahead of me. Then instead of it being about me, and instead of it being about her, it's going to be about what God wants for us together. And that that helps me.
0: Yes, sir? It all starts in
1: being in God's Word, and as my wife sees me consistent and making good decisions, it all comes into a line. I think where it gets into problems is when we're not consistent. Now the wife, are you, are you making a spiritual decision? Or are you making a, a, a manly decision kind of thing? Are you, are you walking? They want to follow us. Like Pastor saying, yeah. But we have to be in God's word. We have to demonstrate consistency to our our spouse, and then it'll all fall into line. It that, Not just consistency, but we need to lead
0: by example. Well, let me let me say this. I gave you two types of leaders. I didn't give you the third type. I gave you the first type was kind of a Zipporah dictator. I gave you the passive. And we're trying to talk about a balance in between. Let me give you the third type, and that's a loving leader. How many would agree with me that Zipporah's greatest struggle was insecurity? Let's put another word, fear. What's Egypt like? Well, I can tell you, but it's going to be totally different. Well, your people are Jews. Yeah, well, I'm not... I'm not a Jew. You'll be okay. How many understand those words are probably pretty hollow? Well, I'm, I'm not used to this. How many understand this? So let's, let's just take a step back and let's look at Zipporah. That Zipporah was probably overwhelmed with emotion. She, she was probably governed by fear. She probably had not slept Not only was it the fact that she was going to a place, let's just think about what she's leaving behind. She's leaving behind her home. Leaving behind her security. By the way, I don't have time to deal with this, but you know, I'm going to tell you, a home's a big deal for a woman. It's a big deal for her. And she's leaving all of this behind, and Moses, who is her refuge, Moses, who is her rock, it's kind of raised up the white flag in the home and said, "I'm not fighting you. everybody getting a picture here?" And I'm convinced that the arena that she needed to console her fears, to calm her insecurities, was she needed an arena of Moses to love her. Isn't it interesting that when we go to Ephesians, how that the Bible can tell us, that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. That atmosphere of love, I'm convinced of this, would have handled a lot of things. If I can say it this way on the boat, it would have brought some gears down. I'll never forget my dad telling me this one time. He says, you know, son, he said, my dad was just a, just a wise man, full of wisdom. He, he told me this one time. He said, you know, if you're ever with somebody, he said, and they're talking really fast and they actually get hyper and louder in their thinging, He said, you know, just find your pace and your volume and just maintain that calm talk and soon you'll bring them down. He says, the goal is not for you to match them. He said, the goal is for them to match you. And here is a man, Moses, and and, you know, here here is Zipporah, and yes, she's worked up, yes, she's insecure, but boy, what love would have been for Moses to have recognized the fear in her heart and the insecurity in her heart, And, and, and catch this if you love yourself, you'll take all of that personally. And that's where the fight begins. If I love her, I'll recognize this and I'll become her minister. Hey, sweetheart, can we sit down and talk for a second? Yeah? I bet you're really struggling, aren't you? I am. Why are you struggling? Because I'm leaving my home. That's a big deal, isn't it? It is. It is. I want you to know something. I understand how big it is. And I understand you're struggling. And I, I, don't, I don't want us to fight through this because I know that there's going to be some times to where we may not, you may not understand the importance of us going to Egypt. And you may not understand th- this. And I'm sure that all of this is pretty fearful about it. But, but here's the one thing that I, I, I want our home to do. And would you agree with me that we want to we honor Jehovah God? Well, yeah. And, and, and this is how we can do it. Do you think that there would have been some love demonstrated, some care demonstrated that could have slowed this boat down and maybe he could have parked it a little bit better? Everybody getting the picture here? I, I'm not asking him to resolve his leadership and just, and just cast it in the corner. I'm telling him that he needs to take his approach a different way. Yeah, yeah, gentlemen, there might be some times where you have to stand and you may have to take a biblical stand in your home and it may have to be a firm stand and say, hey, you know, we're going to do this because it's right. But I'm going to tell you this. Let me tell you, if, if that home is preference by love, think about this. God hath not given us the spirit of what? Fear. Fear. Now, wait, 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 wait. Fear usually is the biggest dominant with insecurity. Would we all agree with that? Notice the other three that God gives us to compensate. He hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Love, power, and of a what? Sound mind. mind. Can I tell you what spirit you need to operate under? You need to operate under not the first one, but under the three that compensates the first one and be able to say, you know what? I love you and there's a peace in my heart that I want you to have and and I just really feel this is the, the right way. And with all of these statements that these men have been putting in about consistency, wow, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Setting an example, that's a real big deal. It's a real big deal. You know, your wife needs to see you praying and reading your Bible. She needs to see you being a godly man. She needs to see you going forward. And all of that, all of that sets an arena that helps her to follow you and submit to you. It's it's just just that faithfulness. It's that consistency. It's that, that area that's in your life. And so this loving leadership I'm convinced of this. A wife will follow that which loves her. I've heard women say this. I don't even trust him with my own kids. Now, whether that statement's factual or fantasy, one thing that she's saying, I don't trust him with her kids. What she's really saying is this. I don't trust him with me. Therefore, I don't trust him with my greatest love, which is my kids. And then a husband hears that and he's like, "I can't believe you!" He gets personal and takes a defense, and he's responding just like Zipporah. And then you've got this this Grand Canyon that separates the two. When really, if he would come in, slow that boat down, walk into this thing, not loving yourself, loving Christ loving her, and saying, honey, can I ask you a question? Is there there a reason why you're struggling with trust? Do you know what? Bucko, it may not even be you. She might be dealing with some molestation that happened when she was 13. And you might be the very key to help her walk through that. But because you've raised the white flag, because you've thrown your hands up, because every conversation you take personally, you, you've you've cut yourself out of the picture. Is everybody with me on this? Yeah. And she might have some. She may have had a father when she was eight just blacking her in the eye, and she may be molested when she was thirteen, and she may have baggage that you haven't even dug through. And, and she's struggling with that and it's, and, it's, and it's weighing her down and she's in fear all the time and God put you in her life and if you could love her properly and you could, you could help her park that boat so gently, put it right there. But if every time there's a conversation, you throw up your hands and I'm done and I'm not this and I'm not that, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, you don't realize Moses, God put you to be the leader of Zipporah. I've got to hurry. Our time's up. Is that correct? Um, I'll just say this and I'm done. Moses' failed leadership is this. It was Moses, just think about this when you leave. It was Moses, not Zipporah, that put them in this stuck position. They were stuck at the end. They weren't going forward. They couldn't even go backwards. He was on his deathbed. But Moses' leadership led them there. And I hope that you'll be a leader that'll lead them not there, but to greater things. God, thank you for this time. Pray it's been helpful and beneficial And I pray that you'd work in our lives, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.